0: Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of 7 Figure Millennials, where together, you and I are on a mission to figure out how the heck we can prioritize our happiness, health, and relationships as we make our entrepreneurial dreams a reality. If this is your very first episode, I want to say welcome. I'm beyond excited to have you here. And if you're returning, welcome back. You know how much I appreciate you for coming back every single week. I know I say it every single week, but I'm not going to stop saying it because you know how much I love you. And today's guest, whether you are a new friend or a returning friend, is Eric Allen. And I'm going to do the intro a little bit differently today because of something that I learned from this episode. So I'm going to skip right into the three things that I want you to look out for in today's episode. Number one, why Eric's daily mission is to make at least one person smile each day. Number two, Eric's crazy story of beating his mom's boyfriend up with a cast iron pan for hitting her when he was only 13 years old, being kicked out of the house shortly after that, getting jailed at 18, going bankrupt at 21 to today where he has a beautiful life and family where they are creating a new legacy for the next generation and breaking the cycles that were handed down to him. And number three, how Eric got featured on over 117 podcasts while producing his own show that was in a period of a year and what he learned from it. And, um, the reason why I'm recording it differently is because of something that we talked about in that segment. So look forward to that. And you might be wondering at this point, who the heck is Eric Allen? So here's his bio. Eric was raised in a broken home, battled addictions, jailed at 18, bankrupt at 21, only to turn everything around. He's been sober for 16 years, has a beautiful wife, two kids, is a podcaster, speaker, and is now helping entrepreneurs to get known and get noticed online. Some of his prior guests that have appeared on his show include Ed Milette, who's one of the top podcasters in the world, and Shea Hillenbrand, who's a two-time MLB All-Star who played for the Red Sox, Diamondbacks, and Dodgers. But his, even though his podcast is incredible, which I've listened to a few episodes myself, the thing that really stuck out to me, if you haven't noticed already, is his incredible story. I am always, always interested in diving into people that have overcome massive adversity, and I think that we all have things that we need to overcome, maybe not as severe as what Eric had to come through but there's so much to learn from his story and how to really create an environment, no matter where you're starting from, to help you to engineer success and define success, what it means for you. So please enjoy this incredible conversation with my new friend, Eric Allen. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Figure Millennials Podcast. Mr. Eric Allen, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here, my friend.
1: Uh, Thank you so much for having me on, man. It's truly an honor to be here, dude.
0: It's going to be a blast, and I know you have an absolutely incredible story, which is one of the main things that we we kind of initially connected over with. So I would love to dive into your story, but before we get there, I want to talk about the other thing that really stood out when I was researching you for the show, and that is your daily mission. So I came across this on your LinkedIn profile. You have a daily mission to make one person smile every single day. So I would love to kind of hear some of the history of that, and if you have any good memories of like a favorite smile that you've gotten or something like that. So walk us through it.
1: You know, for me, I I think if we can make people smile, then it'll just help make the world a better place, man. And when I'm out in the store, if someone's got a name tag on, or if I'm at a restaurant, they get a name tag on, it's there so we can call them by their name, not just so we can be the Karen and complain, right? People love to hear their name. So if I can call them by their name, like, man, thanks for bringing out our food. Thanks for, you know, ringing me out through the grocery, like you just see their face light up, man. And so I love that. And I don't know that I have a specific story, but. You know, it's truly a mission for me. When I'm outside of the house and I work at home, I've been working at home since 2015. So I don't get out very often. But when I do, man, I just love to be able to connect with people out in the public, you know, at their store or wherever they're working, man. And just like, they're people too, man. And they're they're people who are working. And a lot of people just don't take the time to acknowledge that name tag. And so I just want to be that person that can help them, you know, put a smile on their face for the day.
0: I love that. So let's say someone's listening right now. They're like, okay, I, can, I see their name tag. What are some tips so like if somebody's going to go out today and make an attempt to make someone smile what are some things that as a seasoned person that has made people smile all the time like any any like really low barrier things they could do to try to kind of make that happen or get crack that smile for the first time
1: dude you know when you're out and and like especially for me i go to costco i'm big costco guy right so i'm at costco all the time at the end when i'm walking out they gotta check my receipt like while they're checking my receipt i'm looking at their name tag to see who it is right And so whenever they hand that back, Hey, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it, man. Hope you have a great day. It's super simple. It's not like you're getting in their face. You're literally just saying, Hey, thanks. And then calling them by their name. And that's the easiest thing you can do at the grocery store, at restaurants, wherever it is. If someone's got a name tag on, I love to be able to call people by their name.
0: I love that. It's so simple. So, so simple. But people love hearing their name. People love having that genuine connection with someone. Yeah. And it's just uh, such a beautiful mission. So I'm glad. I love that. That I know you're big on uh, wins, having quick wins. Yes. That's an easy win that you, any you, anybody can have right now is just going out and making someone smile. So if you listening have already kind of picked up, Eric's got a super peppy personality. He's liking people, making people smile, but, uh, it's so incredible to see where you're at today from where you came from. So I would love to kind of start by you sharing some of your, your background. I know there was a part specifically where you were in the middle of brushing your teeth and yeah. something happened. So maybe set the scene. <laughs> where were you when you were brushing your teeth and maybe, uh, take us from there.
1: Totally. Well, you know, my parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. I hadn't heard that word before. Didn't know anyone had gotten a divorce. My mom got together with a guy who was very physically abusive and so when around 12 years old, my mom and him decided to move myself and my sister and then a son that they had together, who was just a couple months old to Stevensville, Montana, beautiful property. You know, we had five acres, two ponds right by the Bitterroot River there. And the house they rented had three bedrooms. There's one for them, one for my little brothers, a couple months old and one for my sister. They said, Eric, you do live in the garage. So I literally had this plastic tarp in the middle of the garage. I stayed on one half. The truck pulled into the other side. You know, that was my room. And and one night I brushed my teeth. They came home arguing wasn't anything different than any other night. But as I was brushing my teeth, I personally felt like God was saying, dude, you got to check this out. What's going on? You know, so I peek around the corner. The way the house is set up behind me is, you know, the, the kitchen to the pantry to the garage where my room is at. And as I took a look around the corner, I see my mom's boyfriend on top of her and just like boom, 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 one shot after the other. Punch him in the face. I'm like, I got to get this guy off. So I walked up behind him and I grabbed a cast iron pan out of the cupboard. I swung as far as I could and I split the back of his head open. And he turned around and he said, "What?" Then as he did that, I took another swing and split his forehead open. And um, didn't hit him. I mean, I hit him hard, uh, but it didn't knock him out. And I remember, like, the second time I swung, I'd actually fallen over and him standing up over me. He was starting to yell. My mom jumps up, punch him in the face. Blood splats on the wall. Like, just crazy. You know, a cop show up, take him to jail for the night. My mom doesn't press charges. I got kicked out of the next, or I got kicked out of the house the next day. I had three months left of my freshman year of high school, and uh, that basically Nuts. set me on a path of destruction for the next ten years of my life. Hmm.
0: Oh man, there's so much to unpack there. And I'm really excited to dive into this because I know you've interviewed so many high performers as well. And that's just one of the things that I've experienced in interviewing with high people performers. It's like they've leveraged that trauma. They leverage their past as a fuel and they transform it into something that's really healthy for them. But I want to go a little bit deeper here. Can you give us so like you get kicked out of your house, you're I mean you're barely a teenager at that point. Like yeah. we're not supposed to be off on our own right. at age 13, at age 14. So yeah. walk us through a little bit about like, what was that day like? You get kicked out of the house. What does a 13 year old even do? Where do you go? Kind of what were those next few years life after you like, after you were completely out on your own?
1: Yeah. So it was kind of interesting, you know, because I did only have three months left of my you know high school career there as a freshman. Right. And, uh, it was in small town, Montana, so my mom was able to talk with one of my buddies. He lived with his dad and he lived in downtown Stevensville so I could walk to school. And basically I slept on his hardwood floors for the last three months. So it was just, uh, his name was Forrest, man. He was a cool dude, just lived with his dad. And, you know, me and Forrest would take cigarettes out of his dad's cigarette pack and we'd smoke them on the way to school. Like that was just like the daily thing we did, you know, <laughs> getting into smoking early on, you know? Uh, but I finished my freshman year and then we went to move back with my dad out in Washington. And so I finished my sophomore through senior year of high school with my dad there, and he rented a room for him and I, or rented a house for him and I, and he would put hunger man meals in the freezer and cereal milk in the house and 20 bucks in the cup, you know, for the, for the lunch money for the week, I had a bus pass that I could take to get to school, Uh, but essentially I had no accountability. And so I got into drugs early, man. I was doing pot and hash and opium and mushrooms and acid and whatever I could get my hands on. And that was pretty much my life through high school, smoking pot before school, at lunch after school, barely passing, um, you know, and then come my senior year, we went on a camping trip, me and some buddies, and and we should have known we got stopped by the cops four times uh, in a 24-hour period, one of those which I got cited for having a bong, and uh, which then ha- caused me to have to go to jail for 24 hours when I was still senior in high school. So a black and white chain gang outfit on, bright orange slippers, 145 pounds. Never been in a courtroom before. Puts me in jail for 24 hours. It was crazy. Um, So got out after 24 hours. And then two weeks after I graduated high school, my dad kicked me out of the house. So then at that point, I was like, all right, we're just starting this adult thing, you know, right now. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, by the time I, I got kicked out, between the ages of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times. I was living on couches here for a week or four days here or two days there, a month here, like wherever I could stay. I was just all over the place couldn't hold a job. I was living off of credit cards and then decided to move to Seattle with a hundred bucks in my pocket. Probably not a very smart move, but I got up there and slept on a lot of floors and always wanted to move up there. And uh, then by the time I was 21, I was $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy. And so that kind of put me to rock bottom yet again, all through battling addictions the whole time as well.
0: Hmm. So let's go to that rock bottom moment. Like that day that you realized that you had to file bankruptcy after all the shit you've gone through, after all the transitions, like like what was that day like when you were at the very bottom?
1: How did you feel? Man, it was embarrassing more than anything because I was driving a I think it was a 1998 Acura Integra, you know, like leathered out. It was the most by far the nicest car I'd ever owned or driven, right? Um and for me that insurance being 21 22 years old uh was like $450 a month and my car payment was only 200 i was like this is stupid <laughs> right you know like to, but i got to, i like literally was at my house when they like tow, towed it away like i had to leave the keys in and i watched it get towed away and i didn't have a car my dad bought me this like Chrysler LeBaron, super old beat up thing, you know, barely drove. The windows didn't roll up, you know? So like during the winter, I stuck with the windows down, you know, it didn't even, the door didn't even lock, man. Like it was just this crazy car, but it got me from work, from my apartment. My dad gave it to me, you know? And, um, so it's definitely embarrassing for me at that moment because I couldn't even literally go and open a savings account, not even a checking account, but a savings account at a bank because I had filed bankruptcy. You know, so I was paying with cash or doing checking cash orders or whatever I could, you know, to, to pay my bills. And luckily, I was a cool roommate, so I was just paying him cash, you know, for that. But, yeah, dude, it was definitely like, man, what am I doing with my life, you know, at that point? And um, just trying to survive was was my mode. I was living in a ghetto apartment across the street from Jimi Hendrix there in Renton, Washington. And I was uh, I landed an internship with Universal Records. So I was driving into downtown Seattle with this ghetto car. And basically, parking it up on Queen Anne Hill and then hiking down to Universal Records. And then I would go there and work and then drive home. And like, basically, got to live this rock star lifestyle for a bit as I was going to two to three concerts a week and had open tab, you know. So that kind of lifted my spirit a little bit being in that mode. I always wanted to be in the music business, but I think mentally it was deteriorating me and going, man, that's still embarrassing. I, you know, I'm 21, I filed bankruptcy, I've been in jail. Like, what else is next?
0: Yeah. That's just. I I can't even imagine, especially because you didn't have any role models or anybody to turn to because of, you were just transient and you didn't have anybody to show you a path out of it. So it was just kind of like taking the next opportunity as it came up. So I, I would, that's just, and we we'll obviously we'll get into some of your transformation story and where you've come since then. But yeah. last week I had the opportunity to interview Sean Harper on my show, seven year NFL player. Um, and he told this incredible story that that popped up as you were kind of sharing, sharing that, but he talked about how he visited Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska, and he got to have, you know fresh caught salmon and it was incredible and he saw this experience where they took the baby salmon and they would put it out in the boat and i don't know anything about fishing so if i destroy this (laughs) anyone (laughs) listening to like that's not right but but they he said that they took the boat and they drove all the salmon around in circles and circles and circles and then they let the salmon go those salmon go out for two years they can be, be as far as japan or california or something like that but at the end of those two years they come back where they where they spawn where they were marked to and his analogy was like as humans like when you're growing up like that environment is where you're marked and if unless you're very conscious about changing that reality you're gonna keep ending up back to like those early experiences and that that shit show that that you you grew up so like as you're sharing that that's the first thing i hear it's like poor little Eric is like being marked in the wrong spot. He doesn't have any role models. He doesn't know where to go. And like, obviously you were able to dig your way out of that eventually. But for, I'm just curious as like, how have you, how did you work to uncover those unhealthy patterns and transition yourself from that destructive mindset to something that has taken you to where you are today?
1: Yeah, for me, it was a struggle for a bit because, you know, it was always a dream job of mine to be in the music business. So being in there was awesome. But I got laid off my one year anniversary right during the Napster days, if people remember that. And, uh, you know, I was working at Starbucks and, you know, as a night manager. So I would just be the depressed dude showed up. I was the rocker guy, man, black socks, black shorts, you know, just showed up and closed. And then I, you know, wasn't paying attention to the guest or anything like that. Right. Um, but it was paying my bills. So I'd go there, work at night, go to Starbucks, or I mean, go to the grocery store, grab a six pack of beer and go to Hollywood video and grab a movie. And that was my nightly routine was just drink myself to sleep while watching a movie. And, uh, you know, one night a girl had come in and she said, Hey, you know, we've got this cool college age event down at our church. Would you be interested in going? You know, I'm depressed. I have no friends. She's good looking, uh, you know, like desperately trying to find friends. Right. And so I was like, yeah, what time do I need to be there? And so I got down there, went to this event, and and ended up like running into all these guys that I knew from the other side of the state, like where I grew up. And it was like, dude, I haven't seen you in four or five years. What the heck are you doing here? You know, It was just this cool connection, right? And I feel like in that moment, God was planting a seed um, to really kind of get me back on the right path. Because it was about a month later, I was partying with the band that I was managing, literally woke up Easter morning in my buddy's basement after a night of partying, and felt God say, dude, you're going down this path that's going to end your life real quick. And I think it was that moment where I started to realize like, I'm not, I don't want to continue down this path. I want a, a better life. It's time for me to start breaking some chains here. And so for me, I gave my life to Christ. I quit cold Turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything in that moment. And just said, I wasn't going to go back. And then I called that girl up. I got her voicemail and said, Hey, thanks for inviting me to the church event. Really appreciate it. Maybe I'll see you at the store. And we were dating a month later and now we've been married for over 17 years, man. Mm.
0: So beautiful. I want to go into some of your relationship with your wife and and also cuz i know uh from the episode i listened to this morning that unless it wasn't recent because i listened to an episode on your show and you had a one of your kids just turned 12 recently if yeah. i if unless that was a while back that that just happened but that's yeah. awesome so you have a family that you're raising yep. you're breaking some of that generational trauma that's happened but um before we we kind of dive into the relationship with your wife i'd love to hear like about that cold turkey moment, because it's not, I feel like it's not common. Like, and obviously you were tempted a lot, I'm sure to want to go back to some of those things. So most people can't just do that. Is any other things that helped you to stay sober or to keep that vision of not relapsing back into some of those old habits that you had?
1: You got to change the environment, man. Um, You know, for me, once I realized that my past and other people's opinions don't define my future, Then I was uh, ready to go. I was ready to go rock and roll, man. You know, so what I did was I had to step out of that environment. I had to quit going to the bars, quit hanging around some of my buddies, right? And I actually called them and just told them, like, dude, I got to get healthy. I got to step away. And they're like, dude, absolutely. Go, Go be healthy. Go get, you know, right for you. And those guys are still my buddies today. Like, you know, but I took about six months off of just going to hang out from hanging out with them. And what I did was I replaced it. I changed my environment. I found guys that were going to the church that had great businesses, that had great marriages, that had great walks with Christ. And, you know, pre-podcasting days, like, literally, I was like, dude, I want to take you out to coffee. I want to understand your story. Like, how are you doing what you're doing? What things are you doing to have this great marriage, this great business, right? And I would just invite guys from the church and just take them out to coffee and just sit with them and understand their story. So if you want to get out of your environment, one, you got to decide that, You want to do it. And then you got to take massive action and you got to change your environment. And so once I did that, there was no turning back. You know, I had accountability guys. Now I had built relationships with men who were doing awesome in their marriage and business and walks with Christ. And for me, that's what was most important. And so once I got around those guys, it just fired me up to be in their presence, man. And so if you're struggling with that and you want out, you got to change the environment and you got to go find people that are living the life that you want to live and surround yourself with them.
0: Mm. So let's say someone hears this and they're in that spot right now where they're like, some of my friends are not in alignment anymore. And obviously you have to have those conversations and sometimes they're tough conversations. I've had to have a few of those over the past year and those are not fun. uh, But I think that they're, they're very valuable, but let's say maybe you did take the effort, you did cut those relationships did you kind of just look for like local meetup groups around there, like networking events? Like what are, what's like an action, like if somebody went into Google right now and they were like, I'm trying to figure this out, where would you send them? Or how did you do it? Or what would you encourage them to do?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, I don't, I don't know that meetup groups were around that time, you know, they mean they were, but the internet was, you know, it's still pretty basic at that time, you know, that I don't think there was as much opportunity now, but I mean, there's so much good stuff that you can do. Right. So I found guys uh, that were going to our church that were business guys, but there's I'm sure there's business meetups that you can go to. There's Toastmasters. There's all this awesome stuff that you can go get connected with. That's out of that party environment. Right. Um, But nowadays, there's so much stuff that you can do. You can do meetup.com or whatever it is. There's tons of local groups in your community that you can just go out to business minded folks go to the library, man. Shoot. Just being in the library, they're not going to lie to be there, you know, drinking and stuff like that. (laughs) Like just go find a book, man. Like if you just go hang out at the library or hang out at the Starbucks or coffee shop, whatever it is, man, like change your environment, get out of that drinking scene. And yeah, it's going to be tough. There might be days where you're like, man, I really want to go party, but you have to think, man, what's your, why, why do you want to do that? Or why do you want to have a better life, man? Do you want to break the chains of addiction and abuse and rejection? Like I did. Or you'd go on with the, through that, and if you really, really do, man, you got to dig deep and find that strength and, and just power through those those temptations, right? And again, change your environment, you'll change your life.
0: Yeah, one of the former guests I've had on my show is Doctor Benjamin Hardy, he wrote yeah. the book "Willpower Doesn't Work." He's also written uh, "Who Not How" with Dan Sullivan and all that good stuff. But that, like when I was when I first met Ben, he had just written "Willpower Doesn't Work," and I think that that is such a incredible way of approaching solving a problem is looking at it from an environmental perspective exactly what you're saying it's like if you are forcing yourself into situations where you have to make the decision whether or not to pick up the alcohol or whether or not to engage in these low-level relationships you can completely solve all that by engineering an environment where that stuff just isn't around. Right. Um, and yep. I think that, that that's really cool that you were conscious of that. Or another thing you could do is hint, hint, uh, pod, start a podcast. I know I know, totally. Eric does some stuff on helping kidding. people do a podcast. So <laughs> we can get into, we'll get into, I yeah. promise we'll get into some of that because I, w- I would love to trade and kind of just figure out some of the things that you figured out along the way with podcasting. But yeah. uh, I want to get into one thing that I, I would assume, at least what I've heard you share is that uh, kind of got you into podcasting and that is Ed Mylett. So totally. talk to us a little bit about how you met Ed and uh, what happened and how that talent transformed your life.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. Got, I get to I'm sorry, I got to speak with Ed. But prior to Ed, I actually had a podcast called the Top Rated May Show that I started oh, in okay. 2017. So uh, I started Top Rated May as an apparel company in 2012. And then literally got bored with it in 2015. I put an ad in Craigslist. It said, who wants to buy this company? I was lost. I bought all this apparel. It didn't sell right. And then what ended up happening was I got bored and decided I wasn't ready to quit. So then I started a podcast, quote unquote, because I had no idea what I was doing. And my version of a podcast was recording a video, uploading to YouTube, sharing the link out to Facebook, and that was it. And I redid that for about 100 episodes. I was in a walk-in closet, bad camera, bad microphone, didn't even look into the camera. I was all over the place, right? And about episode 100, uh, this guy says, hey, man, how can I listen to it on an Apple podcast? I said, what the hell is that, man? Had no idea about Apple podcast. So I was like Googling and YouTube and like, oh, my gosh, man, I got a whole nother market here. I got to start figuring out how do I get my show in front of these people, man. And uh, so did that. And then we got lined up. But how I came across Ed was literally me searching on YouTube one night for motivational speakers Ed pops up. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but I, I clicked on one of his interviews and it was probably one of the best interviews I ever listened to. And now I don't even remember who it was. It was like, could have been David Meltzer, I think for, you know, cause it was one of the early guys he interviewed when he first started doing a show. And I just felt like the connection between Ed and myself, like he, his alignment, his values, his beliefs aligned with me. And I was like, dude, this guy's awesome. So I start following him on my Instagram, Realize that he's got a house here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, where I'm at, or he did at the time. And so I shot him a DM. And really, like, just shot him a text like, hey, dude, I noticed that you have a house out in Coeur d'Alene. It's an amazing house. Next time you're in town, I'd love to buy you a burger. That's all I said. He doesn't know me from anything, man. I'm, I'm literally texting him from my top-rated MA account. And he messaged back like five minutes later, dude. Yeah, dude, let's make it happen. I was like, shut up, man. Like, like totally shocked that he responded back, first of all. And then, of course, we never did meet up with a burger, but what ended up happening was about three months later, he issued the max out challenge. Now this is different than his daily max out challenge thing where he says, Hey, if you respond within two minutes, you could win stuff. He did an actual challenge where he said, Hey, everybody submit a one minute story via uh, Instagram and tag me on it. And then I want to know what you're passionate about. What, what drives you to be successful in business? So I submitted this video and I really had no idea what I was doing. I just like spoken to the camera, and I'd never really done that before. I mean, on my shows I had, but I, I was still not comfortable with being on camera, I think. And he kept saying all these, you know, top runners here, top runner video, top runner this, and then like a month later, I wake up to a text message or a, a notification on my phone that I was tagged in a post by Ed Milette. And I was like, what the heck, man? Open it up, and sure enough, I won this call. I won the challenge, man. There was another one um winner called Camp Agape out of California. We both won, and we got to have phone calls with Ed. And so... I had started my show, the Eric Allen show, because of Ed prior to that. And so prior to even talking with Ed, I had Sean Whalen on my show. And then, of course, I win this and I get to speak with Ed. I got to record that and release that. So it was episode 12. I had Ed Milette, And then it just opened the door to just Kooian and Tim Story and Brad Lee and you know, Dan Caldwell, Jim the Rookie Morris. And the list has been going on and on. And I just spoke to David Meltzer, man. i just truly blessed to be able to do what I'm doing, man.
0: That's incredible. And just for those that don't, recognize those names obviously you can go check out those episodes on your podcast which before we get any further the Eric Allen show um, so you can go check that out and make that jump over we'll be diving into some of that in in a little bit here but I want to zoom in and and again just since we I specifically open with Ed Milat if you guys don't know Ed like big big podcasts or really millions and millions of followers all that kind of stuff so pretty big deal I want to one of the things that people ask me all the time and I'm really curious to hear your perspective on this Eric is like I've interviewed some pretty incredible humans too. Very blessed to be in that situation. And some people ask me, they're like, how do you talk to such people like that? Like, don't you get intimidated or something like that? And so the first few times that I did talk to some people, I remember being scared shitless. And so like, I totally understand that. So I want to kind of run back to that earlier version of you. And obviously you had been starting podcasting a while, but what was going through your head like 10 minutes before you got to meet Ed? This is obviously, you were kind of like, a, I'm going to use the word fangirl, fanboy. Sure. You know, yeah, like totally. yeah. I was a fanboy when I talked to some of these people. Yeah. So what was running through your head? How did you kind of like manage that first call with somebody that you really respected?
1: Well, first of all, I, I got comfortable when I was in the music business. So I started meeting musicians and stuff like that. So I, I was nervous. I was fangirl and, you know, fanboy and whatever, like <laughs> when I got around bands, cause I'm big into music. Right. And So I would be like hanging out backstage with Beck and like got to see my band, my favorite band Thursday, like and hanging out with those guys. And I was like, so I kind of got over those jitters. Um, but the day that I spoke to Ed Milette was absolutely the craziest day ever. Literally, I spoke to Ken Shamrock, and two hours later I spoke to Ed Milette on the same day. I interviewed them both. And so I kind of had the prep with Ken Shamrock and then getting on Ed, like I was kind of nervous at first, but he is such a great down to earth dude. Like literally shut off everything. He sat on his beach, you know, on his on his property there above the beach there where he used to live. And Just said, man, let me let me know about you. Like, how can I help you? Like, was so in tune of how he can help me, man. And that conversation uh, truly defined like what my show is today, man, just how caring he was and how open he was to help me. And man, he did. He connected me with a lot of people here locally and was able to just give me a lot of confidence in, in building out my show, man. And so Absolutely. One of the greatest guests for sure I've ever had. And it wasn't even like an interview. It was just him and I chatting, but I was able to record that. And then I took a portion of that conversation and was able to release that as my episode.
0: Love that. And I would just add on top of that. And I think that's fantastic. And I did listen to that episode. And so it was a really chill laid back conversation. So it was, it was awesome to see him just given. And he's kind of started the call. He's like, yo man, like I have another call after this, but like, like I'm here for you. like i'll I'll extend it out. And it was like, so he was super chill about that, which is I yeah. think is a point for people to understand, totally. and that is just helped me so much is that at the end of the day, all these people are just humans. Yeah, they're just it's just it's just a human. Like, I mean, yeah, they might have done some cool stuff at the end of the day, but, it's just another dude and like if you if you take off that lens and you just look to connect with them at a human that where, where you run into the mistakes is where you put them at a different level than you and then yeah. it just gets kind of awkward so have you had a similar observation or would you say something similar to yourself
1: Yeah I mean I think he's just a, a great dude overall man it was just awesome to to connect with him and I think where probably I, I ran into a moment where I was having that fanboy moment was actually when I was a guest on Bradley's dropping bombs podcast uh, mm. you know I flew down to no- in November. Uh, last year, flew down to Vegas, got in town at like 1130, went to his office. We recorded the show at like 11 a.m. and I flew home that night. It was super fast. But going to his shop, like, I don't know, just like when I got there, he was outside, he was smoking a stogie with a couple dudes. And so it was just kind of cool, like just hanging out. But I think at first I was like, holy crap, man, I'm actually meeting Bradley in person, you know, like one of those moments. But super, you know, chill dude. And, and uh, just like Ed, man, I mean, these guys, like you said, they're just human, man. And they what they did was they, they never, none of them, like, were born into money, right? So they had this life. They decided to make a change. They changed their environment. They took massive action, and now they're changing lives because of that. And so I think that's just what we have to remember. And that's what my show really focuses on. When I have a podcast, you know, and, and I'm talking to my guests, I want to understand, like, where they grew up. What was childhood like for you? You know, what was what was that, that journey for them to get to where they're at today? Now, what are they doing right now? And what's coming up next? And that's the whole, like, focus of my podcast. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to zoom in on you meeting Brad Lee and this is something that I kind of let me find out where the heck this note is but you had mentioned I I want to talk about imposter syndrome essentially for a little bit totally. because it's like sometimes you connect with these people and like I still suffer from imposter syndrome I think lots of people still suffer from imposter syndrome and it's like um you know when you connect with high level people, it's like, who am I to be talking to this kind of person so what any any tips or uh, thoughts that you've had when you're interacting with people or you get those nagging thoughts that evil devil shoulder mm-hmm. angel it's like you're not anyone to be talking about these kinds of people how How do you manage that conversation in your head?
1: I think we have to realize that we are here uh, for on a purpose. Like, There's a purpose why we're talking to this person. There's a plan in our life that we're talking to people. Everything happens for a reason. And if we've been given an opportunity to talk to someone like Brad or Ed or something like that, like there's something that we're going to learn from that. And there's an opportunity that we're going to take from that. And so if we can go into the mindset like I'm in a learning mode right now. I'm in a learning phase. You never want to be the smartest guy in the room, right? So if I can go in there and I can learn something from them and have that mindset of, Quit being nervous. Take a deep breath. This is just a human. There's another guy that's out there trying to change lives. And if I can learn anything from him, well, you know, dude, we're going to learn something, whether we're on zoom or with them in person or whatnot, like just listen to their show. But if you're in person and you can just have confidence in yourself, I get imposter syndrome pops in, man. Like it does for me, like, oh my gosh, like, am I really talking to people that I'm really talking to Right. But if we can actually just get past that, quit listening to the noise and go man I've got a there's a purpose and a plan on my life right now and I've been given this opportunity I need to take full advantage of that and have confidence when we're talking to that person the doors is open wide open man and and podcasting helps us do that
0: Yeah. And even if you don't have a show, if you're not talking to high profile people, I know like imposter syndrome creeps in all over the place. It could be you starting a new venture. It could be you starting, you know, a new job or whatever the heck it is that you're, you're about to do. It's just like, I just, I think it's so, it helped me a lot to know that literally everybody feels imposter syndrome and like, like even, even the high level people that we were talking about today. So it's normal if you're feeling that. And I love that kind of mindset of just, you know, you're here for a reason. And that, that um, at the end of the day, we're just here to contribute. So. I love that. And let's, let's, I'm going to start kind of segueing into some of the podcasting stuff, but I I keep saying, but before we do that, that's, this is like the fourth time I've said that now, but before we do that, I, I, I want to talk about, um, your, I, I heard on another show, you talked about like, you never used to tell your story. Yeah. Like like the, that, that that beautiful story that everybody just heard about like you cracking the guy in the back of the head with a frying pan, like living in a garage. That was something that you used to never share. And I guarantee, you know, you, you've you been on over 100 podcasts in the, in the past few years or in, in one year. And it's like yeah. you shared that message. And there are people that I guarantee that story has changed their lives. But I mean, as somebody that used to never share my story, I used to be scared of that too. And I thought this would be a really cool conversation to talk about the first time you decided to share that how you kind of got over sharing that and maybe if somebody has a story that they feel like they should share but they're scared to do it what advice would you kind of give them
1: dude i was 39 years old i think when i when i shared my story for the first time publicly like you know people that i knew knew my story but i'd never really shared it online never really talked about it on a previous podcast interview or anything like that searched online came across a guy named pete vargas And, uh, if you don't know who Pete Vargas is, definitely go recommend, I recommend you go check him out. Amazing speaker, amazing story. But he talked about this, like share your story challenge, like you just building your confidence in, in, I don't know what it was, uh, why this was that happened again, everything happens for a reason, but I come across him and he starts talking about like your story can change lives. And I think I was in this moment where I was like, just not feeling like I was making a difference in the world. Like, yes, I was married and I had amazing kids and I love that. But in regards to like outside of a marriage, I didn't feel like I was doing much. I was kind of going in between jobs and stuff like that. And so when this opportunity came up, I was like, all right, maybe God's giving me this opportunity. And I remember like going, do I want to share my story publicly? Because I know that people are going to ask questions. So you can watch the full video that I actually recorded originally on my YouTube channel. It's like eight and a half minutes long. And you can see that I'm pretty nervous in that video. Like I was kind of scared to even do it. And there's nobody there. I'm not even doing a live. It's just, I'm recording the video, right? And I was like, all right, we're just going to make this happen. And I recorded it. I edited it down to whatever eight and a half minutes it was. And then I took it down to my wife and I said, I showed it to her. And I'm like, do you think that I can share this out? And she said, man, I think that's really good that you'll share it out, but I need you to understand that there's going to be people in your family that are going to start to ask questions that are, going to act, you know, that are going to come across that that may not know that story or may not want you to share that story. And I had to take a step back and go, you know what? I'm at the point in my life where I don't even care. I, I had to quit caring what people think about me and what my story is. And once I put that out, man, it was a huge weight off my shoulders. And I think a lot of people hold their stories in, but if they just release that even if it's just talking to a counselor i'm not saying get on youtube and start sharing your story if you've got some things going on in your life man i recommend go talking to a counselor i talked to a counselor and it was great man when i first got married brought a bunch of junk into my marriage right like it was huge so i'm saying like if you go talk to a counselor or if you want to put your story out there online just know that it's going to change your life but it's also going to change other people's lives and and just be confident in that and don't worry about what other people are going to think because their story is not your story your story is your story
0: mm. That's so powerful. I I'm gonna go see if I can find that video of you sharing it the, for the first time. Cause I I love that you just heard the inspiration and you just took action and then you did it publicly. I think that that's that was one thing that I I don't think I've really ever shared this before. But before I started my show, I started doing a Facebook Live once a day as kind of like just getting warmed up. Like I like I knew yeah. I wanted to start a show, but I was just kind of scared to hit the record button and so nobody goes now people are going to hear that. And they're going to go try to find them. Don't find them <laughs> because they're, 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 fucking terrible. Like they're, they're, they're not good, it's but like scary, it's just, man. The, it's, it's the fact that you did that. And the fact that you, 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 you implemented it and started sharing. And I think that, um, it helps a lot once you get like, you're right. Cause when I shared my story for the first time, it's like, I felt that weight kind of come off my shoulder of say, saying that publicly. So what can someone, let's say they, they hear this, they heard your story and they're like, damn, if Eric can do it, I can do it. And you're going to go, you're going to go share. What, what can you kind of, what did you kind of, ex, what happened after the story was shared? Can you maybe share a little bit about some of the impact that you sharing this with other people has made on other people's lives?
1: You know, for me, it was so nerve wracking to share that thing out. But again, like I said, it was it was a huge weight off my shoulders, but I started to get DMs from people going, man, thanks for sharing your story. I went through something similar, right? They didn't want to post on the actual video, but I started getting DMs from people saying, man, my story is like that. Or my story was, was just like that, man. I had the abusive boyfriend and your mom's boyfriend and I had to fight him and da, da, da. like, and it was cool to get that. But then at that moment, I, I felt like I had to, I had a responsibility for me personally, I wanted to start praying for these guys. Like, man, if I was able to share my story and make an impact on these guys, I want them to share their story and start making an impact. Lord, give them some confidence. Give them some, some peace about sharing their story, whether that's public or a counselor or someone that they know. Like, if they can just get out there and do that and just start to feel peace about that, man, that's what I started to do, man. it's just I started getting a lot of DMs about people. And it, for me, it was just like, man, that's awesome that they went through that. But man, I'm going to pray for healing over this guy or this gal. Yeah.
0: I think everybody thinks that they're kind of a special snowflake that like, that this is the only, I'm the only person this has ever happened to. Obviously your particular circumstance is your particular circumstance. And I I hope I'm conveying that in a way that like, no matter what you listening have, have gone through, like, I'm sure there's some shit, but, um, the, like the human experience is the human experience, you know? Yeah. And so that like, even if somebody shared a message like Eric or, and it's not exactly like your story, you can at least resonate with some of the feelings that Eric had going through that. And so, um, yeah, I would just, uh, thank you so much for sharing kind of your experience of opening up and sharing that. Cause I think that's really powerful for people to talk about. So, uh, now that I've said, uh, we're talking about one other thing before a bajillion times, let's actually talk about podcasting. So cool. I, I'm really excited to talk about this because, um, I looked up before we hit record, at least today, you've recorded 153 episodes on Eric Allen before you shut down top rated MMA, it was at 256. You've been featured on over 110 podcasts. I'm sure this is like the 125th or 130th. I don't know where you're at right now, Yeah. but um, lots of, you know, you've been through the trenches. You, you, like you said before, it's like, you did not even know what Apple podcast was when you started. So totally. you figured things out the hard way. Um, so I have a few things that I'd love to, to chat about. And um, maybe one of them is um, I'm trying to figure out wh- where I want to start, but. Getting on a hundred podcasts. I think lots of people are interested in getting on other shows and I know that you kind of help other people do this now, yep. uh, but I think that it really will help to kind of peel back the, the onion on how this is done. Uh, so let, I have a few questions under this, but basically I, where can someone start Is like, if they want to start getting on shows, what are some things that you would encourage them to start doing?
1: They literally go find a podcast that they resonate with, whatever the storyline is. They could be talking about quilting for all I care. It doesn't doesn't matter. Whatever they're passionate about, go find a podcast that's doing that, right? Follow them on social media and shoot them a message. And you could just be like, man, that's awesome. I love what you're doing. And here's my story. I'd love to be able to, you know, if you're open to guests, I'd love to be a guest on, right? So if you're not promoting yourself, no one's going to promote you. You've got to go out and do it yourself. And there's a lot of Facebook groups out there that you can go and join in. And they're like the find a guest, be a guest type rooms where you can literally go in there and say, here's my story. And then there's all these podcasters that could go, hey, man, I'd love to have you on my podcast. I'd love to have you on my podcast. And that's what I did. I found these groups and I posted my story in there once a quarter in 2021. And I just said, boom, here's what I at. I have a goal to be on a guest or I have a goal to be a guest on 100 podcasts this year. And I just told people that right off the bat, like mm-hmm. my goal is to be on as many podcasts I can this year. And that helped me get booked, man. So I finished 2021 doing 117 interviews on other people's podcasts on top of releasing 100 of my own episodes. Um, so if you're trying to get on other shows, do it, man. Promote yourself. Reach out to podcasts that are out there that are similar interest, and ask if you can be on the show. Hmm. It's very simple.
0: I- yeah. Very simple, simple, but not easy. I'll put, I'll put it that way. Totally. It's like you have to, there's lots that goes into it. And so I'll I'll add on another resource that's been really helpful for me is listen notes. Yeah. Uh, listen notes is a podcast search engine. You can find all the podcasts on there. So that's another great resource. I want to talk about, um, because i w I'm starting to get on other shows right now and being on a hundred shows, you see the good, the bad and the ugly when it comes to other shows. Totally. Uh, and maybe I don't even know, maybe Eric, maybe he's having his worst experience ever on a podcast <laughs> today right now. He's like, how do I get the fuck off with this Brandon guy? But, Love but it, I want to, I, I want to hear about some of the, the, the worst experiences you've had and some of the best experiences you've had. Cause I know that when I've gotten on other shows, it's helped me to optimize my show. Cause I'm like, totally. I did not like that. I like that. I'm borrowing that. So, um, can you share some of the, so let's start with some of the worst experiences. What are some of the pitfalls that you've experienced, bad experiences that you've had as a guest? Obviously, uh, you know, if you like not sharing any of the, <laughs> the, the details, but totally. share some of that stuff,
1: man. Yeah. It's rough when you're, when you're just kind of throwing it out there to be a guest, everybody wants you to be a guest on their show, which is, it's, I mean, it's great promotion for me. I can get my word out there, but, um, Dude, I was on a show one time where this guy was, he wasn't recording video, but I was, he had camera on so I could see him literally. This is the strangest thing he had YouTube live on and he was recording himself. Talk to me through a microphone that he was only recording the audio of, but it, it was, it was set up very strange. So I could literally see him talking into a microphone, into a camera, not looking at me. Cause I was on his YouTube channel. I was watching this thing, but he wasn't, I think he forgot that he was like actually on camera because he would ask me a question. and I was responding to him and he would be looking all over the place like this. And he'd be picking, picking his nose, dude. And I was like, what is going on, man? Like <laughs> absolutely crazy, insane stuff, dude. Um, you know, I've been on shows like I was on a, a podcast over in the UK one time. This dude was like, didn't turn on his camera. And then when he did, his face was like this close to the camera, man. And it's like just, you know, huge dude sitting on his couch with his quilts and his cats crawl all over him, man. Like, I mean, <laughs> it was just, it, it was just weird, man. Like, you know, but for me, I was like, okay, cool, man. I just love connect with people. So that's why I wanted to do that challenge for me. I wanted to stretch and get to know people and, you know, being on that many shows, it opened up a ton of doors, a ton of great relationships And I've been able to, some of those shows have been great. Like I was on a show called Kelly Cardenas, a show, man. And and that dude is amazing. Uh, One of my closest friends now, man. I'm like that guy I've sat down on the beach with him in in Carlsbad, California and just watched the waves come in, man. And met him in person now a couple of times. And, you know, Joe Graham, he's one of my good buddies. He's got the 150K, uh, 150K podcast, man. Like all these guys that I've been able to talk with, and they just have excellent shows. So those experiences where I think if they, the host is on time, right, the link works, like um, the headphones are in, you know, the camera's on, right? And then they they end on a timely manner, and then they know what they're doing. They're not like, you know, standing around going, okay, now what's next, right? So I've been on shows where literally I would get on there and the, the host would go, cool, so what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, well, I'm the guest. Like you're supposed to interview me, right? So I've, I've had those situations too, man. So. I love getting on shows like this one where it's extremely well done. It's very professional. You ask great questions. You're engaging with myself and you're engaging with your audience. This is definitely one of the top shows I've been on, man. Just so you know.
0: Mm. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. That means that means a lot, especially having been on over a hundred of them. But I, I would so I would love to hear some of those best experiences like because i've been on a show like i'll say right now at the end of every show i always say to everyone i talk to the the audience and i say if you're listening right now this is your first time i want to say welcome and if you're returning i want to say welcome back how much i appreciate you and i I saw like this whole thing where i like i said at the end of show but that came from being on somebody else's show i'm like wow i love that he's honoring his audience and kind of recapping what happened so like that was something that i borrowed from another show i'm like that is that is awesome and i want to make sure that i honor my audience and tell them how much i appreciate them so what are some Mm -hmm. of the best experiences or things that you've picked up that you weren't doing, that you started doing as a result of being on other shows?
1: So I didn't do an intro for the longest time. I literally would just like, Mm. um, you know, what I started doing when I I first started podcasting, I would record myself doing an intro. Like I would just kind of say, hey, here's my guest today, da, 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 da. And then I would leave it at that. And I felt like as the the shows went on, as the other shows that I started to join, some people were doing that, some people weren't, but I, I started to realize that the shows that were really successful... They weren't doing that. Like, if you look at Ed Milet's show, it starts off with a one-minute trailer or a two-minute trailer of the actual show. It's not him jumping on saying, man, I've got David Meltzer on here right now. It was just like, boom, jump right into the storyline. Here's a quick trailer to catch the guest or catch the listener, right? And then it goes right into his intro and then right into the show. And so that's one thing that I picked up on. Being on other shows is some did that, some did it really well, and some did it not so good. But for me, I started now you know, realizing that as I'm editing my shows, cause I edit my own shows is I pull a one minute clip out and I put that at the very beginning. It's the first thing that people hear or see when they see my show is it's a, hopefully an impactful one minute clip and that hopefully will drag them into the rest of the show. But that's what I did. But that's something that I implemented after being on all those shows.
0: Mm, I love that. And it's so, you know, like, the first chunk of the episode is the most important part. It's like someone's determining in the first 10, 15 seconds if they're going to listen to you. Totally. Which I, I, I think I borrowed this from Noah Kagan. Uh, he got Noah Kagan Presents. But, like, I always say three things that people can look for. Uh, like, three, look for th- three, these... Geez, speak words, Brandon. These three specific things in the episode, you know, to kind of like and I make them curiosity uh, invoking. And so I think that's really important. But I think uh, that's that's a great insight is just like starting your show out really strong. I want to talk about this uh, specifically about somebody that has a show, and maybe this is just a selfish question, but like, how did you see your increase in downloads? Like how did how did that happen as you got on other shows? Did you see a direct correlation with getting on other shows? Just I want I want people to know what to expect because I think there's lots of um, fantasy about being on a show or there's some like people that build up their show to say it's bigger than it actually is. Um, so I, I kind of want to hear some of the concrete stuff. It's like, did you see your increase, your downloads increase? Did you see if you were giving away a lead magnet, did you see those get downloaded? I kind of want to hear about the, your experience there.
1: Yeah. For me, I've never been a numbers guy, so I'd never paid attention okay. to the numbers of downloads on my show until last year. Um, I knew that I was getting close between my two shows up to my 10,000 download. And so I was kind of keeping an eye on that, but I really have never gone, oh man, I only got 50 downloads this week. Oh, I only got 200, right. It doesn't bother to me. I don't do podcasting for the numbers. And mm-hmm. I think that's what helps me kind of stay strong with it. I just don't pay attention to the numbers. I just don't. Mm-hmm. It's not something that drives me to be do more podcasts. And um, so I think you know when I'm coaching clients, I always tell them like, be okay with sucking as a podcaster. Be okay with just sucking it up for the first couple of episodes for the first couple months until you can get your flow going and adapt as needed, but be okay that you just suck when you first start. Um, mm. you know, and so when it comes to the numbers, you know, I hit 10,000 downloads, I think last year, and then I, I turned off top rate of May and then just the Eric Allen show. I think we're just about another 10,000 downloads that we're hitting right. Uh, pretty close here soon. Um, but, uh, you know, ranked, Being on all those shows, it helped me get ranked on the Apple podcast even more. So January of last year, I ranked 103, I think, on the Apple podcast in the U.S. for entrepreneurial charts. And then I was on probably three or four U.K. uh, podcasts in a row. One time it just happened to line up that way. And my podcast went to 202 in the UK entrepreneurship podcasts. So, Mm. you know, you definitely start to see it. And I'm on listener notes and, you know, I'm on Chartable, uh, which are two sites that I would definitely recommend checking out, especially if you're a podcaster, be on those sites, you can go check them out. And um, you can see where you're ranked. And, you know, blessed to be able to be ranked in the top 2.5% globally of all podcasts, which is, you know, for me, I'm like, cool, right on. You know, I love it. Like the numbers don't bother me, but I think, after being on all the shows, what that did was it opened up more doors to be on other, other shows. Like so when people reach out to me, man, I heard you on this guy's show. I want you on my show. And yep. I, you know, hey, I was a guest on your show. And I, let me recommend you to this guy, right? Like I started just blowing up from there and ended up with some really, really awesome opportunities because of me either being a guest on their show or they were a guest on my show.
0: Okay. So you just naturally led me to, the, this is something I think is just such a huge misconception with podcasting. Cause I think for me, I have also never been a huge number guy. And also just anybody that doesn't have a podcast, if this is kind of crazy, but podcast analytics are kind of a shit show. They totally. really are. It's like, yeah. you can look on Apple. It's a completely different <laughs> thing as Spotify is a different thing as your host. Yep. So like, I don't even, I think for me, all I care, I log in every once in a while and all I really am looking for. And especially I think when I start getting on more shows, it's like, I just want to at least see a positive trend line that I'm going in the right direction. I don't really care about the, the numbers outside of that. Um, but, um, the, the, the part that you started allude to was, what podcasting really does, it's a relationship building tool with yes. the guests and the, and the people that you're recording with. And if you do it the right way, there's a right and a wrong way of doing it. Totally. Obviously, the dude that was picking his nose uh, with Eric and fumbling with his junk on the camera was, yeah, he didn't do that before. <laughs> but like, he, Eric, yeah. Eric probably never talked to that guy again, you know? Nope. So there's a right and a wrong way of doing it. Yeah. But uh, what you alluded to was so powerful, and that is building relationships with either other hosts yeah. or the guests that come on your show. And so there's another thing I want to hear your best practices of having interviewed so many people. What are some of the ways that you look to further that relationship with somebody once they've come on your show or once you've been on theirs?
1: Yeah. I mean, stick with it, man. So like, if you have a great connection with somebody, you know, I, for me, anybody that was on my show that I felt like there was a great connection with, you know, a lot of guys, I still stay in contact with them. So if you felt this connection, if you guys like bonded or whatever through that relationship, right. Like friendship, whatever you want to call it, Right? If you feel like there's a great connection, stick with that, man. Pursue that relationship. You know, I've been able to pursue relationships with Kelly mm-hmm. Cardenas and Joseph Graham and Richard Kaufman, like all these guys out there. Um, and every quarter, I send a video to all my top guests. I literally pull out my phone and I just say, hey, Ed, what's going on? It's Eric Allen out here in Coeur Lane, Man, I appreciate you. and just want to say, I know that we spoke two years ago, but I just want you to know I appreciate you, man, and you're changing the world. Boom. I don't ask for anything. I don't say anything other than, man, how can I help and serve you? And that's it. And when I reach out to my guests once a quarter, that's what I do is I just say, how can I serve you, man? And it just helps deepen that relationship. I want to bring them value. And yeah, it'll come back at some point, but I'm never like, oh, if I do this, he's going to give me something back, right? It just never happened. The way that I got on Bradley's podcast was I literally reached out to him to check in and I said, Brad, what's going on, man? I'm on this tour. I'm doing a hundred podcasts this year. I just hope that you're doing great. If I can help you out with anything, let me know. And he responded back, said, fly to Vegas. We'll get you on the show.
0: And I said, oh shit, that's awesome. Boom,
1: let's go, man. Like that's how it happened, you know? And so that's how I got on Brad's show.
0: <laughs> that That is awesome. That is so cool. And I, there's so much more I would love to go into with you, but I know we're coming up on time here and I want to be respectful. And uh, so let's, let's, uh, um, just I guess I'll ask the last question that we'll kind of wrap things up. As somebody yeah. that has interviewed all these top performers, you had you had a show, you kind of for me, I'm always looking for patterns, right? It's like I see patterns amongst all my guests. I see patterns amongst the hosts. Uh, and for this show is all about prioritizing our happiness, health and relationships yep. while we pursue our entrepreneurial dreams. So what is your best understanding of what happiness means to you personally? Uh, and maybe some from some patterns that you've seen. But I would love to know what happiness means to you, Eric.
1: Man, happiness for me is is being around family and being healthy, you know, and for me, uh, if I can acknowledge wins and stack wins, like we talked about earlier in the show, like that's what helps me acknowledge that, man, I'm truly blessed. It's a goal of mine to wake up every day. And so if I open my eyes, I acknowledge like literally out loud, go, man, thank you God for another day. I get to see and hug and hold my family. Win number one, jump out of bed, make my bed. There's two wins in 15 seconds. I'm starting to build that momentum. Right. And so for me, I get that out of the way and then I come upstairs to my office and for me I turn on worship music and that really helps to kind of set the tone for the day. Right. I'm sitting in prayer. My prayer is very gratitude driven, man. Anybody that's listening to this or is alive today, there's still a plan and a purpose on your life that is yet to be fulfilled. Right. So mm-hmm. if you can Keep fighting for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose on a daily basis. One of the things that Ed said to me, you can't see it on this camera right now, but I have it on my wall here, and it was an acronym. It said Canny, and it's Constant and Never-Ending Improvement, and I have that on my wall when I see it every morning, and Ed said that to me, and I was like, man, that's what I want. I want to be improving every day on myself. I want to improve, hopefully, other people's lives on a daily basis. And so for me, man, that's what the the definition of happiness is, man, is if I can just help other people realize that their goals, dreams, and purpose could be fulfilled if they just keep fighting for it, man, that's that's the goal of mine.
0: Beautiful, man. I don't want to add anything on top of that besides you telling people where they can find out more about what you have going on. Obviously, they can go check out the Eric Allen Show wherever you're listening to this right now. Take your little thumbs. Hit that search bar at the top of it. Go find the Eric Allen Show. I listened to your episode with Shea. I'm not going to remember his name. I know he's a really famous dude. He was a baseball player. Yeah, Shea Hildebrandt. Shay Hillenbrand, that was a fire episode. So there's yeah. my recommendation. Go check out that episode with Shay. But where else can people find out about the stuff that you have going on, Eric?
1: Yeah, Eric dot It's E-R-I-K-A-L-L-E-N. And uh, they can find all my links there. Um, also on Instagram. I'm big. So go ahead and you know connect with me on there. I love I respond to every comment and every DM on there. Uh, so it's Eric G. Allen on there. And I do have a brand new show that drops this Friday. It's going to be freaking awesome, dude. Uh, it's a guy, subtleskills.com. And he talks about facial, uh, analyzing people's faces and being able to like sell to them. And how do you speak to people who have like certain level of eyebrows, man? It's freaking amazing, dude. Hmm. Cannot wait to drop it, man.
0: Cool. I love that. And I lied because normally I say at the end of every episode, I have this conversation with you. But I want to be respectful of Eric. I know he's got to go. So I will record something afterwards and tell how much I love you. But Eric, any final things you want to say before we get off today?
1: Man, I just want to say, look, if you want to change the world, you got to do two things. One, stop judging people. Like, it's not my job to judge anybody. My job is just to love you where you're at. Doesn't care. I don't care who you voted for, whether you're a masker or not, right? My job is just to love you where you're at and turn off the news. If you turn turn off the news and quit judging people, man, the world would be a hell of a lot better place, man. I love you all. Thank you so much, man, for having me on the show, man. That's truly an
0: honor. Eric, you are a rock star. I appreciate you so much. I'm so glad we connected, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Brandon here again. As I mentioned towards the end, I took us right towards the end. It was getting so juicy with all that podcasting stuff. I didn't wanna stop him, but uh, I wanted to take a second to have a quick conversation with you listening right now. And I wanted to say, if this is your very first episode. You could be listening to any other podcast on the planet, but you decided to click on this one. Something was intriguing about Eric's story and I just appreciate you for being here. And if you're returning, you know how much I appreciate you for coming back every single week. And whether you are a new friend or an old friend, I have the same ad. Ask at the end of every episode. And that is if you've been impacted by what Eric shared today, whether it was that crazy story of him having to literally grab a cast iron pan and defend his mom, oh, oh, whether it was that, or maybe it was some of the podcasting advice that he shared with you. And now it's a lot more manageable for you to reach out to get on a show. I guarantee there was something in here that can absolutely change someone's life if you share it to the right person. So I appreciate you, whether you choose to do that or not. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now,